0: Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, sponsored by Beecher Madden. The podcast that gives you the insights, techniques and tools into top guests from the cybersecurity, governance, forensic and data world. Welcome to the latest episode of the Zero Hour Podcast, and I'm your host, Cole Sharman. Today, we are joined by Chris Bainham-Hughes, who is the UK Head of DevOps and Red Hat Emerging Technology at Atos. His background is in software delivery, business transformation, process re-engineering, practice management, and business strategy. Chris works with clients to deliver solutions that not only transform delivery capability, but also set a sustained culture of relentless improvement. When Chris is not undertaking adventures in DevOps, Chris is usually found running and swimming around the mountains. Hope you enjoy. Beachy Madden are recruiters for cyber security and corporate governance professionals. Leveraging our long-held relationships, industry knowledge, and data-driven approach, we help companies and candidates make better hiring decisions. So, welcome to the podcast, Chris. It's great to have you today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So, let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? So, I, was, I, I, born, I grew up in Chester, mm-hmm. up in the northwest. Who are or were your parents? Uh, so, well, my mum was a radiographer, um, and um, my father worked in the, uh, the local council mm-hmm. to personnel officer. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Chester. And what was your education like? So it was typical state education, you know, so uh, yeah, perfectly enjoyable, uh, probably messed around a bit too much, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, and it was, um, I did a lot of uh, outdoor pursuits as well, extracurricular activities and that, so it was really quite rounded in that way. Did you play a lot of sport? Yeah, I used to swim competitively to about the age of 13, um, then I got uh, a bit fed up of being pickled in chlorine nine times a week, <laughs> and, uh, Carlos on the weekends. Um, and then I I I threw myself into canoeing, I did a lot of whitewater kayaking and stuff like that, so but anything in the outdoors, anything against the element, you yeah, are working with or, or against the elements, that, that's 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 what gets me. Did you go to university? Yep, yeah, I went to Newcastle University, so I did an economics degree there and then um, did a, a master's in business information technology. Okay. And is that how you then started to go into technology? Was that your first taste of it? Yeah, so uh, I kind of um, uh, when you do an economics degree, you kind of get asked two questions. You know, so are you going to be an accountant? And uh, when you say no, they go, "All oh, right, so you're going to go into retail." Uh, you know, what what are you going to do? Um, and I, I didn't really know. Uh, I studied for the love of the subject, um, uh, and I, I love um, the sort of social, the social interaction aspects of it. How how the how people make their decisions and why they make those decisions and how irrational <laughs> people are. Um, so. Um, uh, so, so yeah so that, that that's what that's what grips me and then suddenly I've got to obviously work out where I'm going to go go for a job um, you know and this is in a different age really you know I got paid to go to university, because i got got grants you know it's, it's a very very different um, scenario to, to what it is now um, but uh, but yeah in my final year I sort of um, you know went around looking for for different roles and um, IT really captured my imagination in terms of um, you know I've always been enjoyed technology and so on and I thought well, actually there's a, yeah, that, that looks like a really interesting career. So um, as I, I looked into it more, and then um, my wife had done a sandwich year, so and I, I thought well I could do a I could get myself a, a better chance of getting into one of these roles, and um, along and um, a, a good way of staying staying in university for another year and, and um, staying with my wife. So um, so yes, yeah, so that was a choice I made, and so it, it allowed me to it made made my path into IT a lot easier. Mm-hmm. A bit off topic so you met your wife at university I did yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. wow that's amazing yeah so yeah no we're, we're still getting strong <laughs> excellent so what was your first step out into the into the working world uh, so I, um, I I basically started off as a developer tester well a tester actually uh, and then um, did you know testing development um, led teams uh, uh, you know development teams and so on uh, and then I moved into consulting uh, business consulting so much more um, focused around that so that was very much more business process re-engineering, um, change management uh, you know that, that sort of side, it's very sort of systems thinking kind of you know based sort of looking at the entire system and sort of you know planning out how we, how we optimise that um, and understanding all the, the different moving parts within actually delivering that. All them choices deliberate would you say?
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I always wanted to get into, uh, into the consulting side. Um, uh, I was it. Was always um, you know deeply interested in that. But I I really enjoyed the developments as well. So uh, and and uh, I feel that you need to kind of get a real understanding of what you're talking about first. Yeah. And so um, having that context was really important. Um, and then I took a I, I took a um, well probably the. The most uh, certainly the most fun career move, which was a career break. Uh, so I went on uh, travelling for a year. Um, my wife and I went away for a year, and then uh, we came back. And um, I got offered a role um, in sort of the internal management of the organisation. Uh, so I, I took on it. I was like head of Java. So um, I took on that, and uh, it was uh, I guess um, a lot of the stuff I've been doing as consultants, doing to our own, you know, to to the to our own firm. So, uh, so that was really, that, that was really enjoyable and um, it was all very positive. We, were, we absolutely, you know, we built a, we built, built a, a, a reasonable size of a chunk of the organization um, through that. Yeah, uh, you know, doubled, doubled the team size uh, very quickly, um, which was right in the face of the recessions when everything had crashed. So it was, it was a very positive place to be. Um, and then, you know, I'd look, we'd look beyond, it's like, how are we going to market? How are we, how are we trading? How are we looking after everybody? And then um, I uh, took over um, test and analysis um, and then uh, ultimately um, moved into DevOps and t- uh, started to build that out um, and uh, did a lot more, kind of got involved a lot more in pre-sales and sort of early stage consultancy again. I sort of came back back into doing that much more client-side. Um, and then recently I've just moved into a business development role. So um, uh, focused around DevOps still but uh, also around um Red Hat emerging tech stack. Why do you? Well, what? Why do you like emerging technologies? Because it seems like everything you've done has been something new, something that's probably pretty greenfield. I suppose in a way. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'd like to think it'd all be it lots of greenfield stuff, but unfortunately, there's always well, with the, I say unfortunately, with with um, the clients that we have, mm. you know, it's it, it's often. Very there's there's always a brownfield somewhere. Yeah. Um. So uh, and to sort of um, deny that or pretend it's not there is 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 not really solving the problem. Mm. Uh, so there's always a, an amount of legacy that you've got to deal with and interact with and and and, and I think that's um. you know, You see some examples of, of organisations that have just been successful. Is, is it, let's take DevOps for example. You. Been successful in delivering um, or or setting up that culture and and instilling that culture, but they've done that without any of the legacy. They've not had to change people because they've been they've hired in people that that have that mindset or or rather or are susceptible to you know want to adopt that mindset, want Mm. to adopt that approach, um, uh, and use those techniques. So they're they're not really ever fighting against or or you know sort of trying to work with people who you maybe quite scared or threatened by that um, by, by those things so um, so yeah so I, I, it's not always been it's 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 quite frequently not been that but I, I mean personally I like the challenge I like I, I like having a problem to solve um, mm. I ultimately have a yeah problems I, I don't think I do anything particularly special but you know my my skill set is around problem solving and sort of motivating and, and uh, people at the, the sort of the more basic level and um, and that's uh, that just translates up into sort of the, you know into the DevOps arena in many really ways as, as to you know, getting people to go on that journey and and, mm. and seeing that through. And I think that's um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's quite a pleasure when you get it right. It's it, it's really you know really deeply fulfilling. So mm. you know, as far as I'm concerned, as long as I'm continued to be challenged, then then I'm I'm happy. Yeah. So yeah. Before before we break into the technologies, what was your first? Leadership role that you that you had first leadership role, um, well in the workplace. Um, so I led a um, a team of about over the, the well it floated between eleven and, and fourteen people. Um, on uh, it was a, a migration a database migration. I was I started off in databases, Oracle developer, um, uh, and we were we were migrating. We we had a. A product called um, Lennon which is a rail settlement system so uh, um, we were migrating a lot of really quite complex data that, that basically allows all the different train operating companies within the country to get their share of a ticket because you only buy one ticket it doesn't you know it could be on your journey could travel across several different suppliers so so we yeah it was quite a it was quite a big thing. Um, the, yeah, big, um, it, it, it was a massive database, etc., and everything was hugely complex. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was challenging and interesting. But, no, it was really good. And what did that teach you? Um. Oh, cool, that's a good question. And know it's so many years ago. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think uh, some of the things... I think um, showing flexibility and trust, um, uh, how important that was and how powerful that is... Um, you know, it's you you you're rewinding um, back to early two thousand, and where you're there, where you know it was very much. You need to see the whites of their eyes. I need to see that they're working, kind of mentality, and you know I would always look at it and go, well, as long as people know what they've got to deliver, and as long as they deliver that within the in the time scale, then um, I'm quite comfortable. And often people would actually often people would over, overestimate what they could do anyway. And commit to right. I'm going to do all. I'm going to do this. So, m- bearing in mind that most of us were away from home, or you know, we were we were uh, you know, we pulled from four corners of the country to to kind of do the to do the work. People really valued the, the fact that they could work from home one day a week or something like that, and so by extending that trust and and showing that you know you you'd get the you get a lot more loyalty and you get a lot more productivity. You know, much higher productivity and a lot of happiness in the, in, in the team mm-hmm. um, and so I was lucky that I was given I was allowed the scope to do that uh, as a you know sort of a junior leadership role um, uh, and run it my you know run it my way if you like uh, so um, so yeah just treat people like human beings and understand their position uh, understand their, their personal situation some of those guys had families some of them you know were didn't did care they were quite happy being away on expenses you know yeah. <laughs> sort of it, 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 it was also for courses and um, making that team effective took a lot of tweaks it, t- it takes a, you have just got to want to understand people and what drives them and mm-hmm. um, and then you can you can work with those drivers to to make sure everybody wins everyone's happy and, and, and a, a happier team is far more productive has that changed for them no not at all I mean I think actually I think it's it's even more important. I think. I think one of the key, if you're going back to DevOps again, I think you know one well, of the absolute key things is, is empathy. Mm. You know, really, that's part that's fun, One of the fundamental tenets of what we're doing here. You know, it's it's um, you know you're taking. You know what, what are we trying to do? We're, we're effectively saying right. We this is you know how are we going to approach delivery of software, um, and it's recognizing that to deliver that software, there are different parties and different groups. That whilst they're all got the same aim of delivering great software, uh, and you know, delivering and running great software, they are, um, they have different ideas as to how that's achieved. So you know, your operations guys will typically be like, well, no, but if they can't get at the system or if the system's bouncing up and down like a yo yo, that's not a good. That's not a good way of delivering software. And you know your developers will tend to be, well, you no, know, but if they haven't got the features, then what's the point anyway? And Actually, understanding and bringing that, uh, you know, um, starting that, everybody on that journey of empathy to understand why it's important and why, you know, wh- why they have those those differing views of, of what's important, um, I think is, is is vital. I think so. I think it's, it's, it's relevant, if not more relevant, Dave, than, than it was before. Yeah. You know, if you're just throwing things over the fence at people, then and not understanding or caring to walk a mile in their shoes, then. You know, we're are just it's gonna have problems. Yeah. yeah, but how would you? How would you? Or how do you? Sorry, assess that. How do you assess what motivates and makes people happy? Yeah, so I think if you're doing it on a scale, I think to be honest, I think just getting to be it sounds very. Try. I think this is part of the problem. Actually, is that. You know, you do need to actually spend some time to get to know everybody, mm. um, and all of you getting to know each other. You know, and understanding what what makes each other tick, and that's not you know, we're not talking you know beanbags and group hugs. I'm talking you know, you you, you, you need to take that time to do that, and if you're, uh, and and you know somebody will look from the outside and go I oh, thought they were going to be coding what are they doing over there you know why aren't they you know and I, I think we I think we need to take that time yeah. and I don't think it happens in a day either or you know like go away on a group bonding session or something and then yeah. and then expect it to all work you know there's no quick fixes in this industry or in 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 anything really um, uh, so going for that kind of quick win of or expecting it to be there I think that's one of the problems that people have with that you know, they go. Right. Okay. Um, you know, you go on a scrum master course. Now you're agile. Right. Go and be agile over there. And <laughs> and, and they're going. Oh, hang on a minute. You know. And they're, oh, you're the expert. Well, they're, I've been on a, I've been on a quick course.
1: Yeah. So
0: so I think it's it's that understanding that there's the journey and um, uh, that, that people need to go through and and part of that is is understanding. You know, is is getting together and understanding a bit more about what makes each other tick. Um, and and that that you have to you know yeah. You a lot of people find this difficult but you need to be emotionally open to that if you like they're willing to be saying it's okay to make mistakes it's so you know in fact that, that you know that's that makes you human it makes me able to relate to you more um being able to um um be happy to make a fool of yourself mm. um, you know and for a lot of um management um, you know i think some people think that they they're meant to be immaculate you know that they're they're you know, questionable and that they just know all these things and can get them all right. And that's a, it's not a, it's not a, that's not a productive path. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't get, you know, you, you, the most intelligent people I know ask the most questions. And if you sit in there sort of pretending that you know the answer, um, or you've got those, 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 those people, it's about how do you, how can you get those people out there? They should be open to say, do you know, what? I don't know. Could you, could you help me? Could you understand? And we work in an intelligent industry, so everyone's bright. Yeah, you know, pretty, you know, pretty much. There's <laughs> <laughs> not <on> exception. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you know, seriously, you know, everyone, everyone's bright, and I think that that's again, it's sort of, I think that's where the backlash against the kind of command of control sort of styles of leadership are, um, are really pertinent because, you know, you turn around and talk to you know tell bright people now, you know this is what we're doing, and start trying to use the whip, it just it just doesn't work. They mm. don't respond well to that, and, th- and it's not a pleasant environment for them to work in. So, you know, w- people need space to think, people need space to understand each other, and we should be encouraging people to understand each other if we, if we want to deliver good software. So, let's break into that technology piece now. So, what is DevOps to you? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, uh, the, the, the question that you could ask to a room, and, and everyone gives you a different answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, DevOps to me is really, uh, I, I probably said it, it, it Already in a way, it's it's how we it's a it's a method to deliver software. That's all it is really, um, uh, and it's it's one that recognises that to deliver great software, you kind of need to have you need to have control over your end to end. You know how do you go from idea, you know, concepts to reality? You know asks to gets. How do you how do you bridge? How do you go across that? And forming teams that are able to do that from end to end and then own it. And it's that it's that ownership and um, that, that's that's so vitally important um, because that's when people start to empathize because they realise that if we don't work together as a... we you need to get out of the I and the my and move into the sort of the we, you know, and, and us. Um, and and seeing how we you know working together to understand each other you know the way did. It so it's it's got that at its edit's co-tenant. Kind of but ultimately, you know, DevOps is really just a it's just a way, it's an approach for us to deliver software. When did you first, you know, come across DevOps? So, I, I kind of had forays into kind of Kanban and, and Agile and, um, you yeah, know, I'd had calls course to be involved in that. And then, uh, I'm trying to think now, it's a few years ago now. It's sort of, uh, I think like many people, um, or certain you know, many people who started a few years ago, you, you kind of just, it start, this sort of happens along the way. You know, it's almost like the realisation, you read a few books, you kind of, get start to start to engage with the topic and understand what it is and go, yes, actually that's exactly what or you know really chimes well with me. So I know it's good for you years ago now. <laughs> where does where does Red Hat fit fit into this? Well so in terms of my role mm-hmm. so um, well I'm very fortunate because I have all the nice toys to <laughs> to to, <laughs> to be you know designing solutions with um, so you know obviously a lot of the Okay, so in devops, you know, you get sort of generally get two angles of which organisations come at um, come at, come at it from. you, know, where what where is catalysed? You know, that 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 desire to kind of look into it. Um, you know, you've kind of got the cultural piece, mm-hmm. which is for me is absolutely the, the most important bit because everything else follows and falls out of that. Um, or you've got the, the technology piece, and I think in, I think it's fair to say in the UK we, we tended to go with very much technology led. Um, push for DevOps so um, but unfortunately that's meant that you also get people who are um, then labelled as DevOps engineers or something like that and, they're, and, they're, and, and really what we're talking about is CICD and scripted environments um, and that's 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 wonderful and that, that's all the enablement side of DevOps yeah. um, but it's not you know if you, you can have CICD it doesn't mean to say you're working as a DevOps team or that you've got a DevOps team so and and if, and I think it's led to a number of things like um, the the classic error that that I've seen several times is the um, creating of the third silo. So it's like the anti-pattern for DevOps. So they, you have a Dev team, an Ops team, and a DevOps team. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so you've effectively just created another silo. Yeah. Um, uh, and and that's quite a free. You know, you see that through many many organisations, and it's I'm not being like directly critical and say ah you've got it wrong or something like that. It's mm-hmm. more just that it's a trap that's easy to fall into, um, and, and and I think sometimes the labels, the names, you know, like using you know, DevOps or weird but yeah we're DevOps or whatever doesn't really help. Um, so so sorry um, I've I've drifted yeah, off on a tangent there. So rewind me back to the question again. I'm gonna rephrase this. Okay. Then. All right then. That's good. What is Red Hat? Red Hat is obviously an open open source software company, mm. um, and um, we well, I we think their products are fantastic, um, and there's a lot of opportunity for us to build um, solutions for our clients around those, uh, you know, around Red Hat products and and other products, but um, you know, the, their product products um, suite is so broad in their portfolio. Um, I think a lot of people still only know them for Rel, which astonishes me in this day and age. But you know, a lot of people still only know them for that. But then, when you've got, you know, I, I have all the great, the great emerging tech to play with. So we're we're talking um, OpenShift container platforms. So which you know really is sort of your, your next the next generation of computing, if you like, and the way that the way that we're doing stuff. Um, Ansible and all the, the the automation side. So all, all the common tools, you know, these are common fundamental tools that we use within within you know to deliver um, in um, you know with through a DevOps approach. Um, you know, cloud management platforms and, and sort of being able to broker around that. And then all the middleware, because obviously, like I say, you rarely get greenfield, beautiful greenfield yes. scenario. So um, <laughs> uh, you know, or, or, or if you do, that tends to be a startup really. That's that's just sort of you know way. So. You've got all the the application migration and modernization path um, that we, that we go through. You know, a lot of a lot of companies are taking they want to move into the cloud, or they want to close data centres, um, and so they, they want to move into the cloud. And so we we help them on that path, and um, one one of our, our tool sets of choices is, is is a Red Hat Red App stack. So um, mm. so uh, yeah, fantastic bunch of tools that it is too. So with your solutions that you offer. Is it that you're providing the consultancy part or the, the build part? You know, where, where do you fit in in terms of if companies approach you to... Me personally. As a, as a company, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, well, so we, we have, a, we have, like I say, we have a number of conversations around that kind of application migration and modernisation, and that's where a lot of our conversations are happening mm-hmm. now. Um, people wanting to go, you know, go digital, uh, for once of another buzzword, um, mm-hmm. and, and go through that transformation. Um so so yeah so we, we you know like I say a number of times there'll be some, there'll be some sort of driver like we need to close some of these cost centers we want to consolidate that and move into the cloud and so we can help them move their workloads into the cloud but then you say well you know we now need to do that, that modernization of your applications to take advantage of the cloud yeah. uh, and you know take, a, take, take advantage of all, that, of all the, uh, the benefits that you can get from having cloud native applications um, uh, you know, where appropriate depending on what 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 all their systems do, um, so so yeah. So we're getting in, in, in involved at in that stage. Where where I'm where I personally do and uh, uh, um, working is is very much in proactive proposals for clients. So you yeah. know we have a large you know we've got a large number of clients. Um, we have shared clients with with Red Hat and yeah with with both. So there's a there's a position there where we can work. You know we can put some skin in the game ourselves and Red Hat to uh, come up with. Um, an approach that, that can solve the business problem for, for our clients. Uh, it, and, and this is another thing. I think um, frequently within our industry we talk technology. And I think increasingly we're seeing um, CIO and CIO, CTO budgets that are kind of fixed, maybe even shrinking, and most of them are allocated out. And where the new business is coming from is coming from, is coming more from the business. As businesses are realizing that IT is a strategic enabler it was the strategic elevator, the strategic differentiator for their organisation and if they're not, do, they're not doing something about this they could, they, they're at real risk of being disrupted I think when now that realisation is dawning starting to say, well, I can, um, they're starting to see where the budgets are and I think as we as, um, as you know, professionals within the industry need to be able to talk it's, it's long overdue in my view but we need to be able to talk about the business problems and because they don't necessarily care about the technology and for me the technology sells itself I don't need to sell Red Hat Red Hat products are awesome they, they sell themselves <laughs> you know, that, that, that's part of the solution so what I'm, um, what I'm personally, personally doing is looking at saying well what are the business problems they've got is there, is there something that we can go and talk to people saying look we recognise, we've seen, we've observed that you have this issue here um, we've got a solution for that um, what if we were able to do what if we were able to give you this business outcome uh, and um, you know, are you interested? And we take it from there. Mm. And and, it, and and that way, you know, we and some of those will go out for RFP because they'll go, oh yeah, it's great, but we have to go through this procurement route. And uh, procurement is, I think, something that um, traditional procurement departments um, aren't necessarily helping or their organisations. And this is again, it's not an, a, a, a you know a purposeful, dis- disruptive um, or destructive um, position to take. It's just that evolution of understanding what we how, what we need how we need to do things to be able to win yes. um so you know sometimes we'll go for the procurement. But other, other others we won't you know we were able to sort of say they would say actually yeah can, but, um, that's great we weren't looking for that but if you can deliver that outcome and we'll then look to you know we often look for people more creative in the way that we do our, the the um the, you know, the, the contracts so you can, we can be more around we're more, much more able to then do gain share or um, you know, so we can show we'll put some skin in the game we're confident we can do this for you and we can deliver this business outcome and if we were to be able to do that we think we can realise you've as much this savings or this productivity gain or whatever let's talk about well that's worth you if, you know we'll take on some of that you take on some of that or you know, how you do the IP all sorts of different you can know, mm. get much more creative away from that kind of the traditional par paradigm of procurement, which is, you know, I need to get it nailed down, written in contract, um, mm-hmm. and then not twenty percent off the price because that's what we've got to do, right? Yeah. And and it, you know, it, it's that, that that paradigm just really doesn't help. Uh, certainly not in a in a DevOps context or the ability to to deliver. So what we end up doing as an industry is we're we're trying to deliver in a new way. Which we can, everyone can see the benefit we get, and everybody even you know business etc can see the benefit on paper but they're they're cautious about you know we then get hamstrung or like too tight, hands tied behind our backs to deliver because we then get put within a within sort of a tr- more traditional kind of contract basis mm. that, that doesn't suit or doesn't enable us to you know basically both people to win You know Charles Handy in the 80s you know or, or certainly in the early 90s was talking about Chinese contracts where um, he was doing a lot of business out in, in China and um, they'd do the deal, it was all great, and they go, great, okay, I'll get the lawyers in to write it all up and the Chinese go, what do you mean? What, why would you need a lawyer to, for this? Have you screwed me over here or something? You know, have, have, have I just been, have you just, you know, have I ended up in a position where six months down the line I'm going to realise that there's some prop, you yeah, know, there's something yes. and, and it's not, you know, their view was, the culturally, the view was, well, if we both win, why would we ever renege on the deal? Mm. And I think you know that making sure that we're, we're you know, we we have to create sort. Of, um, and I think it's a challenge, a challenge out there to to procurement and to and to us as an industry as well in terms of how we shape procurement and shape business thinking around this is how do we move it so that we ensure that both teams are winning, and if if, if both sides are winning, then you'll get a really productive. Um, um, you know, delivering out and you'll get the business outcomes you're looking for. So going back to DevOps but sticking with that business case what are the benefits to the business for implementing DevOps? Right, okay, well I'd argue you, you're more like you, you're far more likely to get what you want what you actually need rather so not what you thought you needed but yes. what you actually needed and what you're um, driving the, the, the higher customer satisfaction with the greater stability, you reduce risk, and uh, and actually you, you'll you'll see a lot more. You're, you're able to pace your way through and, and, and see, re- see, the gains coming along the way, rather than here you go, here's my big bang, slap like on the table. There you go. We've done the contract. You pay us now, and then you can go and play with that as, uh, that piece of software as you like. Um, it's it's far more enge- You know, it's far more engagement. Um, and I think actually this is where, um, again, DevOps and Agile re- you know, implementations really start to go wrong, is where you haven't got that. you know, my number one argument is that you need strong business involvement. Mm-hmm. If you don't have strong business involvement and engagement throughout the, throughout the cycle, throughout the process, then it always drifts and it always ends up not going, you know, it always ends up suboptimal. If, you know, a friend of mine works in, um, for a firm uh, in well, so it's in, it's in the betting industry and they went very, his team went absolutely, um, they went absolutely agile. We're really nailing it. We're doing, we're doing great. What they failed to do was pace the business and ultimately that started to slowly unravel because they lost their sponsorship slowly. Okay. Uh, so even though they were able to succeed and they could say, well, no, well, we would never have been able to deliver this if we'd have done it a different way or, you know, um, a lot of things were taken for granted. Um, and, um, uh, you know, or like, isn't that, isn't that how all it is works, or, you know what I mean, Is that kind of, yeah. that kind of thing, and so they start, slowly started to lose, and they've ended up having to go back to, like, a kind of water scrum fall position, which is suboptimal, because they've lost that business sponsorship, you know, you, you absolutely need to make sure you maintain that, that's what, and, and this is when, when I'm, when I'm in with clients, we talking about, okay, so, but. So who's got the checkbook? Who who? You know, how do we how do we show the uh, to the organisation and ensure the organisation sees the value in what we're doing, and how do we maintain that going along? What is it that we need to show those pe- you know the, the, those people? How do we engage them? How do we bring them in? Um, the the if I go to an organisation and they are it's purely technology driven, there's no real business involvement or the business guys going yeah yeah you'll you'll just need to teach you know speak to my my man over here he's the he's the te- I'm not like, you know. Not technical. I don't do anything technical or whatever. Um, that just rings a massive alarm bells for me every time, because we, you know, without that business engagement, you it it's it will start to unravel. No matter how well you do it, whatever you you've got to pace the business and keep the big business involved. So I have a mantra of you know that you need the business working as part of the team, not working with the team. Mm. And I think I think if you get that right, and it's hard. But if you've got a, a business, if you've got, if you've got the guys in the business who are willing and want to understand a bit more about it. And there's loads of lessons that we can take. I mean, you know, look at um, Lean, for example. You know, we, we as an industry have taken lots, a lot from Lean. Lean isn't a software. It didn't come from software. It came from manufacturing. So it's, you know, it's, it's looking around. Um, the, you know, if you've got curious minds within the organisation, within the business, that, that want to see and they can start to, they start to one of the ways to hook them in again is so they start to say oh hang on I can could, I could do this in my department over here or I could take some of those loans or maybe that daily stand ups a really good idea about how we or you know maybe a Kanban or whatever it happens to be as to what, what, what they, how they they, they picking things from it when they start to see that value they start to get more and more engaged and it's that snowball It starts to, starts to bring them in and you'll have you know you're, you're, you've got far greater chance of success Mm. So and I think without that we we end up with these comments like or oh, agile doesn't work or DevOps doesn't work or whatever from the business and it's it's not a fair reflection of where it is It's just that we didn't manage you know the, didn't manage that relationship mm. didn't manage to, to ensure that they're, they're, they're fully bought in and continue to be bought in you don't buy you know someone doesn't get bought in once and then that's it. You don't have to do anything again You know, every, every plant needs watering. You know it's that kind of thing exactly right so what you're basically saying there is that the reason that DevOps isn't utilised in every company is, is mainly because the business maybe doesn't understand it or see the benefit? Yeah, so in some cases that, I think that's true. I think in other cases it's hard for the to understand. There's a, there's a leap of faith and a, degree, and a large degree of trust that you need to establish in order to have that. Um, uh, you know, or, or to have a client that's you know, very much bought into that. And so, and especially when you've got kind of separated uh, procurement departments, I'm not making procurement to be the devil, it's just, it's more about actually what we need to do is engage with procurement and making sure that they understand, and they get it, and they see where the benefits are as much as anything else, that we can talk about value. I, I randomly, sorry, this is a bit of a segue, but I, I randomly um, bumped into a, I was sat in the plane next to a, a guy who turned out to be a head of, and we, we got talking, but I had something up on my laptop and got talking. And um, and I was saying about, you know, well, you know, there's issues around procurement and how we do things. And he said, Ah, actually, <laughs> I'm head of procurement for this global, um, real prestige brand, uh, uh, um, global company. Um, and we recognize this and we're starting to look more in value. In it. And I said, Well, your products, you sell them based upon. The higher quality, and the, you know that you get that they were much more durable, they're much more accurate. So you're going to have less wastage, and um, you wouldn't have to replace these things so frequently, etc. Um, and I said, so if that's the way that you sell, and you absolutely believe in that that value, and that's where you you've sat as a business, as an organisation, you decided to put your unique selling points in there. Why wouldn't you think that it would be the same? And therefore, going for the lowest bidder or or near enough is, or, dr- or driving down, like, you know squeezing something, to, you're squeezing it to the pit squeak, so you haven't got that kind of win, you know, that balanced win, you know, of, of uh, both parties benefiting. Then rather than a discussion over, well, yeah, we might be more expensive, but our value that we generate is much higher. You know, that that's essentially your own side point. So why wouldn't you apply that to the to the suppliers that you you take on? Because ultimately, otherwise, you're saying we don't believe our own message. Really, we don't live our or or our own message. So
1: so yeah. So I think there are different.
0: I think there are difficulties because you, you find yourself in it. it's a bit like um, uh, it, taking on a um, a contract of something like a plumber or something like that. Too. So so you get get a plumber to come in. Uh, you need to take up a tracement to do some work for you. And the first time you do that, you go, how much is it to fix my boiler? Now, I want to know an exact price. I want you to come in, have a look at it, and then I want you to give me a price, a fixed price for fixing my boiler. Because what I'm worried about is that I'll end up with a bill that's three times more than going with the other guy over there or whatever. Um, and so we, we sort of push down that route. Once you've then seen that person working, you see how they work there, and you get to know them a bit better and you understand their... Um, you yeah, their kind of creed, if you like, you then are happy next time. It's like, yeah, you know, Bob, can you come around and I've got, the, you know, we've got this problem? Can you come around and fix it? Yeah, you know, just tell me how much it is at the end, you know, or because or, you know that they're, you, you trust them. You've, you've, yes. you've established that trust. Yeah, and I think do. it's the same with um, a lot of organisations. It's, it's a it's a significant change. You know, we're, change, we're turning on its head the way that we do. You know, we're going from, you know, fixed definition of work and variable time and cost yeah. You know, with with agile and you're literally flipping that over it's a variable definition of work and fixed and you know fixed cost and, and, and time and you know so it's still so very disruptive and i don't think uh, organizations have have because a again a lot of that engagement if it's not there um and and where's the reason being to engage i think now we've had the the kind of you know, the posted children like the airbnbs and the you know the netflix and etc this world, the, the the that have come in and been able to disrupt markets and really really disrupt markets companies are suddenly going oh you know praying every night that amazon doesn't try and come into their industry yeah now you know now, now they've got that and people have realized they've suddenly gone actually is it, the the software is totally strategic to our um you know, to our to our uh, to our organisation and our ability to succeed. And so they're starting to engage. Well, how do we do it better? and well, How do we learn from what they're doing? Mm. Unfortunately, then they also expect that you to do it instantly. So yes. so you know, you can just come in and do the CI CD stuff, right? You just start it up. And we, yeah. as the industry, also kind of go, yeah, we can deliver you a blueprint for that. You yeah, know, we can we can come in and we can deploy the application. Don't then say. You've got to configure it. You've got to manage it. You've got to maintain it show it some love yeah. um, across the course. So, so we, we don't help ourselves with some of those messages, but we, you know, it's that, it's that lack of understanding between the two parties and that we as an industry need to work hard to get business to understand how, how best to work with us and how we make that successful. And I, I personally think that means that we need to look at much more kind of um, gain share, be very focused on business outcomes and understanding that and pacing those kinds, but, but being, being looking at more of that kind of sharing the, sharing the cost um, and the risk, mm. but equally sharing the reward. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, you know, that, that's got to come with that. Otherwise, why would, why would you do it? So, so I think those are some of the barriers around, around actually getting into it that don't necessarily understand. And a lot of businesses still treat IT as a function yes. or, and, and, and as a cost centre. And that's another, that's another problem. Because cost centres just get cut, you know. When it, whether there's an efficiency drive, they start going. Well, how can we squeeze a bit more out of this and start to cut it? And that's when you lose. That's when things start to cut back on, especially in less mature examples. You. That's when you start to cut back on. Um, well, God, refactoring is one of the things that seems to go by the wayside, and you crying to a halt. Um, but 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 also, um, you know that continuous improvement cycle the things that make DevOps really work and and, 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 and where the real value in in the mindset the DevOps approach and method you know, uh, and, and the mindset within the individuals um, how do you create I, I see a lot of organizations in the, in the what I call the productivity trap where they are too busy to do to make a change to make themselves less busy or more productive yes so in the classic cartoon is the um, is the cavemen pulling us a, a cart with square wheels, yeah. and there's some guy at you know, the side, another caveman with round wheels, going, look at, you know, looking at, how about these? And they're going, oh, sorry, we, we, we're just too busy. Yeah, you know, we're too busy to look at that. And actually, you know, obviously the productivity game would be huge, but, um, but I, so I, I, think that I think that there's a mixture of reasons as to why, and I think it's it's incumbent on us as much as anything else to, to engage and explain and and get bring that buy in. Mm. Um, of uh, you know of, of the benefits and 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 make that it, it, do that in a in a, and you do that for again through small examples as well. So go and do something small with it. See how easy it is to, to do it. All oh, right, now do that across all you know those twenty servers, and you see the penny drop. And that, that's one of the things I love as a, a you know when I'm I'm a, you know in consulting is right, it, seeing that kind of the penny drop and people go, oh I've got it, wow. And, you, and then, then they start going. Yeah, but we could do this, and we could do that. And, and that's how you start to get that adoption. It's not looking at the queen bee and saying, "Well, we need to um, have this single, um, you know, wow project that's massive and it does everything for you or whatever." You know, it's absolutely familiar. It's get the work, It's the worker bees that do all the. It's it's the daily stuff that that. And once once people are bought in there, they just start doing it naturally because they go, "Why would I not use your know, Ansible model? Puppet or whatever it is that you're using to to, to do that, so um, you know we we need to look at the way that we adopt. But we're all too busy running around. We, you know, we haven't got any of that space to actually stop and think and say, how are we going to do this? How should we approach this? And how how can we form a little experiment, prove something, and then start to snowball and move on from there? Be iterative in the way that we that we that we, we yeah you know, we we get to our destination. Do you think that time to implement the technology solutions or the culture is a big problem to the business? In what way? In a way that obviously none of this, you know, the business wants everything now. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, there's no, there's unless you've got the ultimate solution, there's no way of delivering that. So but, do you think that? Yeah, but but that comes back to the, the to that understanding of the business, and also we we as not you know, we we as an industry need to stop selling miracle shortcut cures yes. which don't exist, um, and we all know. But the, the thing is, we all know these things don't exist, and yet people still every day consume blogs about these three tips as to how you're going to be you know uber productive or whatever, yeah. and we we it's it's like we've got this kind of. Um, switch in humanity that says that says i know it's not true but i just i'm i'm wishing that i'll find that one day i'll find that 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 gold nugget that's gonna that that's that's just gonna work and everything's gonna become easy yes um and and it's it's yeah it, it doesn't exist so we we need i think we need to stop doing that and we need to stop sort of stop selling these um unicorns if you like um and and really get get into that kind of yeah you know we can do that but it's hard but the longer that you're waiting the longer that you stave off actually doing this and really taking that commitment understanding that software is fundamentally and even you you can go to those companies that say you know there's a a ING for example say you know we're we're a software company um, that happens to deliver banking services Mm. that's an enormous enormous shift in culture and, and what that drives and and we need to help organisations get to that point, you know. And there are plenty that are sitting in this kind of um, you know, digital complacency, if you like, um, where like taxi drivers, I'm pretty sure they weren't they weren't ba- they weren't banking on somebody, you know, uh, um, some software coming along and changing their, uh, you know, their their income, they're, they're, you know, black cab drivers in London have been going well now my, my income's pretty safe here you know you've got to go through the norm we've got these barriers barriers to entry we've got all this and then suddenly there's software is disruption the last thing that they were expecting to disrupt it mm. and so and there's that you know there's that complacency and those disruptive business models and that ability to get them in but then people do buy into that that dream of yeah but we can they've done it over there so we can just do it now right no, but do you know how long it took them to get there? How long it took them to be able to get that productive? And even now, if you look under the covers of a lot of those firms, they're still a long way from perfect, and they'll be the first to tell you that, you know, um, off the record. Uh, <laughs> but it's a bit like uh, you know when the iPhone came out, and everyone suddenly was like, oh, but it's so easy to use. Oh, i can able to do these things, and um, and then everybody expected that every piece of software was going to have this these beautiful u- user experiences. And you know the the interface, you know, so UI UX became really big. And then, but nobody, nobody wanted to pay for it. Mm. But, but it just it's just like that, isn't it? No, no. Do you know how much money Apple spend on making sure that that works that way, and that it is that slick and the designer that they put into that? That doesn't just magically happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but we're all still looking for that quick fix, I guess. And and until we engage properly and get that empathy across with between the business and the and that's why I say, you know, alarm bells ring when you don't have that business involvement or go and speak to my IT guy or something like that. I just think, well, are we are really going to succeed here? You know? What do you do or the organisation you work for to help implement the culture and also any part of that which includes transformation? <laughs> okay, so that's like probably the widest question we can yes, probably look <laughs> at. <laughs> so... So yeah, I I I mean ultimately no two sides, you know, no two, two you know, no two situations are there's not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with um yeah. Okay, so, sorry, there's there's yeah, no one size fits all. Um you know you see different different people react in different ways and so their teams form in different ways and setting that culture forms. Um uh, One of the things that we we, we often start off with um, kind of some enablement um, education sort of side of things of just saying, you know, let's make sure we've got a common language. So for a start, you know, you asked me earlier on um, what's DevOps to be, and I said, you know, you could ask a room of experts and there'd be be significant variance across that. Well, probably less so now, but there would still be significant variance. There'd be people who would argue it's just CICD and, and scripted environments kind of thing. Um, automation that's what it's all about isn't it uh, and then other people are saying that oh, you know it's quite the opposite or you're know, well, not the opposite but that's the minor share of it and it's the other side so we look to make sure that uh, you know organizations really understand and they understand what that journey is and just what what they're facing but also then break it down and say it's not that scary We, can, you know we get there we get there through a journey-based implementation. So, so we, you know, we often start like that, and, and and often we, you know, ultimately we're looking to solve a particular problem. So it depends on how we're engaged. You mm. know, if we're engaged from an RFP basis, there tends to be a kind of a clear problem that they're trying to solve, and and they're looking for more specifics. So they, they maybe think that they know how to, how to do it. Other, co- other, other, other organisations will maybe have an existing relationship with them already. You know, we might have a an apps management contract with them or something like that um and that that's where we're talking to the they might say you know can you would like to know a bit more about this devops thing it sounds brilliant but what how do we get there or what what are we doing and and that's where we kind of come in with more of an education sort of piece so um so yes i mean it's really about you know getting in the part of this education part of this discovery identifying something that's you know a a small but significant win that we can, that we can deliver very quickly mm. um, and demonstrate, um, you know, um, gain buy-in through, through demonstration of, you know, a, a d- delivery, basically, um, and then start to move them on. But it, it, again, it depends, you know, because you're going to have some firms that will engage with you on the cultural side and others that, that won't. And, you know, what, what I looking to see is say, well, where are we catalyzing the change from here? Is it capitalised through the technology? Is it capitalised through the business? Is it? Is there a shared kind of desire to do it? Where are the you know, and based upon that, you know, we will then we're then able to prescribe an appropriate solution. So, of many of which those parts are quite reusable across different organisations. But it's like, how do you get the? How do you get the message through? How do you get them bought in? Because that's so critical mm. that you if you over you overlook that you your peril. So, um. um and and for some firms they 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 get that they really get it, and others they're just like I just want you to give me a solution. I just want the answer. I want to be able to say I'm DevOps, and, and and that's that's where it tends to you know, I tend to sit in the kind of we need to walk away from this actually and say you're not ready. Yeah. You're not ready to do this. You, so you what you're going to do is you're going to spend a lot of money, and not get what you want, and you're going to be able to say yes, is a failure, and and we we. We don't need that. Within we don't need. We don't. We don't sort of want that tarnish of, um, you know, because that's what brings down a, a really, very well thought through and, um, you know, approach to delivering software, and we then we then tarnish that by through so called failures, which actually are a failing of, you know, the approach itself. So it's say yeah. agile, right? How many organisations yeah. say, "Well, yeah, but agile doesn't work here." Or whatever, and you know well, you know, is was it really Agile that failed, or was it your implementation, your approach? Yes. How how you know to get there? So, so yeah, I so those those are, those are certainly the important things, and and the main thing that we look at doing now is 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 really saying, what's your business problem? How can we how can we take how can we engage with really you to take that take that away? or to solve that business problem, or at least you know reduce the impact of it, occurring. And yeah, once you once you get that, you get that buy-in. It's a bit like the, the plumbers being, they've fixed your boiler, you trust them now, then you're able to do a lot more and actually really take it to where it needs to be. So, how would you say emerging technology has been impact the culture of an organization? Yeah, so I guess with emerging technology, it's and um, part of that's around how you catalyze the change and how, and how we can how we can do that. And I think once you see some of the quantum leaps and, and the sort of big changes that you can affect using some of these uh, these tools and, and, and the various technological techniques and approaches that we that we use, and, and some of those are differences in how we actually think about um, technology or approach the problem in the first place. The kind of cattle versus pets argument, um, uh, and, uh, you know, for for automation and so on, um, and once you have that kind of. It, in the UK we're very much technology led um, change around DevOps um, and it gets to a point where you throttle the other side of it so if you haven't balanced out your cultural improvements with your you know, your investments in the cultural improvements with the investment in your technical improvements then it becomes like you know we're not the bottleneck anymore actually the, the problem isn't the technology, the problem is actually the culture so it helps to catalyse that change and um, At Atos we have this four cornerstone model where we've got um, Make Agile, Collaborate, um, Standardise, Simplify and um, and Automate. So the first two of those are are cultural pieces Mm. and the uh, second two are technology pieces. Um, And what you find is if you haven't balanced, if you don't balance your investment across um, and your improvements across all four cornerstones, then you get to a point where you hit diminishing returns for that investment, so you can become the the okay. So you can become the most agile team. You know, have the best agile practices. Be asset, fantastic. But if you haven't got any automation, then the final mile from post development into production mm-hmm. is always going to be a struggle, and that's going to be your bottleneck. And what we find actually often it's not the pro, and even right from the start, it's often not the technology necessarily that's the problem it's the processes that go around it. And often we find that companies will still be operating the same process despite the new technology or the the changes that they've made in technology because they're just sort of seeing it moving it. So the classic one was the case around automated testing, which would go something along the lines of, okay, how much are it going to cost to automate all these tests? Well, it'll cost X. And how much does it cost us to run... The testing, you know, we, we, we're going to do a release. How much does it cost to run the testing? Well, it's a sixth of X. Okay. And how frequently do we actually release? Well, once a quarter. Right, okay. It's going to take 18 months to get a return on investment. Mm. Well, yeah, if you were, go, uh, and, you know, before you are able to finish that sentence, it's sort of, you know, right, okay. Well, this project's only lasting for 12 months, so we don't need to do it. Mm. And the answer, actually, what you're asking is a wrong question. It's not that you then stick to the same thing that you're doing now, the same release process, the same release cycle and, and, and cadence of that. It's that you're now able to release once a week, or once a day or, or yes. whatever. And, and so actually your return on investment is, is, is far greater than that and your ability to get the fast feedback that you need to develop the software and to bring all those all, all the, you know the, the, the radical changes in what you can actually deliver and the customer satisfaction that you can get from that. Um, uh, you you, know, you unlock all that, but they're still looking at the. We're just going to do. We're going to use the same model, mm. but we're just going to change that little building block out of it, and then we're you know we're we're effectively drive, buying a buying a Ferrari, but we're only ever going to drive it at twenty miles an hour. It's yeah. it's it, it, you know, it's important. So I think that so the emerging technology really can help catalyse those changes and and expose. The, where the problems really are and often they come down into into kind of culture so you know us working with, um, with so closely with Red Hat is that you know we can we can a deliver really fantastic solutions for our customers but we can also go further with the kind of what one of the other services and the you know might be coaching their teams for example or, yes and, and again it's like how do you catalyze that change one of the things that we, that we do with red hat is we'll, we'll take some of our clients into their innovation labs a really fantastic way of catalyzing a cultural change but again if you don't have that business involvement and buy-in and you're not pacing the business with it making them understand bring them you know i'm always saying bring them into the labs bring mm-hmm. the business guys the like get them to feed you know it's a really good way of them spending a couple of days seeing well how does this work and you really gain that buy-in and then you know maybe you then only get them in for the um uh, you know for the show and tells or it, but if you even if, if that's the minimum you're able to do then fine but you because you're on the way to getting them thinking about it and starting to like investigate and see well how can this benefit how can I do something fantastic for you know how can we do something fantastic for the business yes through through doing this so so catalyzing that change is really important and you know then there's there's lots of services that, that kind of that can kind of come around that which is yeah. where where we as an organization and, Get to continue that and, and take the customers on that journey and it is a long journey but yeah it ain't going to get any shorter so 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 get on it and start with something simple start start with something that's uh, that's achievable and then and keep experimenting get back to that curious mind you know our children teach us a lot and, and part of that is 100% that, yes. that kind of that curiosity that experimentation you know hopefully it's less of putting your hand on top of the fire or something <laughs> so when you're when you're like, you're always looking for the mistake or what's next or anything like that. Would you say the this leads to a culture of improvement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you're trying to do, and I, I think you know, it's interesting. Language is so emotive. How we use mm. language, and you know, um, one of one of the the, the interview questions I always give, uh, I would always do is we have a conversation with people. And, I'd be having a conversation with somebody and it's all very convivial and then i say okay so what's your biggest failure today mm. and the reason why I ask that question is because I'm really curious as to how they deal with the word failure mm. and certain cultures um, so there are differences be- between people but also you'd see very you know, very strong kind of cultural um, angles um, depending on where people are from and so on where they re- really couldn't handle the word failure they, or they, they wouldn't be able to give you an example and like what you Everything's always been perfect. Yeah. It's just they don't kind of associate that. You know, words are very emotive, and I think mistake. You know, so that, you know the, the, the mistakes. It's kind of it's it's really about how we how we move that into how do we learn how do we experiment how do we find a, a create a safe environment where it's okay for us to go. Do you know what we don't have this we don't have a crystal ball so we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But based upon an educated view of this of us what we what we can tell now. Let's let's start this experiment. To see how it goes and learn from it, and that, that that continuous learning and getting that in is is really important. And also, you know, I look for people who, you know, part of their daily routine is is you know some sort of education, be that reading blogs or be that um, you know doing an online learning or a course or something like that. You know, what whatever that happens to be, I look look for people who have that as part of their daily routine. You know, people. There's a lot of people in this world that look for motivation, yes. and they go, "Oh, I'm gonna, yeah, you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have this motivation." And it's not about motivation, actually. If you want to really do something, it's about habit, and it's about that self-discipline to get into that habit. Mm-hmm. So saying, you know, between, you know, six and seven in the morning, or eight and nine, or nine and ten, whatever that happens to be, I spend an hour doing certain acti- you know, activities around developing my knowledge and understanding of, uh, of something. Yeah. that is that is that's I, I take somebody like that over somebody who's already, you know, done it almost every day of the week because there's that kind of limiting factor whereas there's no limit to that, you know, the the, the other kind of behaviours and the fact that they put those sorts of things in tells you a lot about their character, and a lot about how they apply themselves, and a lot about how you can work with them to to you know, so that they you know, you, you want them challenging you, you know, you want you want all this to kind of come in and you want to create that culture that, 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 that embraces that encourages it and, and wants it to thrive because those are the cultures that deliver the really amazing things so you just spoke about individuals let's go one step further what's a high performing team to you in this environment ok right so I'm uh, so there's a fantastic book called um, Tribal Leadership which goes through the five different um, tribal cultures um, that we see within our organisations, Western organisations, um, and level one is is characterised by um, life sucks. So this is this is lawless. This is kind of gang mentality. So thankfully, we don't really see a lot of that in in corporate culture. Um, but it's it's basically you know life rubbish. Um, it, it, you know, you're fooling yourself by thinking that it could be anything different. So you take what's yours, take what's not yours. Just do whatever it is you need to do to survive. Kind of. That's where you get that kind of gang culture. That's sort of that's the, the, the that tribe if you like. Yeah. Level two on the tribal um, spectrum is, is my life sucks. So it's kind of like going, well I recognise that it can be better and that, that you can over but actually, you know, they won't let me do this. This is happening over here, that guy's a pain, you know, he's an idiot, you know, I'm surrounded by fools or whatever and, and actually I just I can't get out of this. And there's that kind of victim mentality. And that's something that we see quite commonly across organisations. Um, level three is is uh, characterised by, I'm great, mm. and you're not. So it's very much about um, uh, personal, the individual, um, and actually we're all programmed like that. because we our education system is like that. No one else does your exams for you, no. right? <laughs> You know, that, you know, all, all of the things. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the the, the cultures and uh, sort of that that we have, or the are very much around that so people hoard information you know knowledge is power you have people forming didactic relationships so yes i'll i will i will be the broker between your conversation i won't connect you two because maybe then you go off and do it and i don't i I then don't get any credit for it or you know it's these kind of things and actually when you look down the list there's there's a the book's brilliant because it kind of coaches you how you coach to the next level so how you take someone from a level two to a level three and so it gives you ideas. Obviously, it's not like a prescriptive, step by step guide because nothing. we talking about people's behaviours, but but it's about how can you nudge people in the right right direction. And at level three, there's that this this um, list of traits. And I challenge anyone not to wince a few times, or at least to be able to go, <laughs> yes, I've done that. You know, yeah. this kind of element of it. And actually, predominantly, uh, and, and you know, like I say, the education system, uh, and most of our sort of. Structures are set up that way, and um, to reward individual performance, yes. um, and and so we and most of our yeah most company bonus schemes are based upon that. Hmm. Yeah, there might be a, a, um, a company performance element, but then there's usually a an individual performance driver, um, uh, and and this is one of the key things I look at when we're talking we're talking with companies about DevOps. So your level two and three a lot of people oscillate between those a lot of company cultures oscillate between those two um the level four is we're great but they're not so what it's doing is it's recognising that as an individual my impact is limited and the way that we really win is that we take um is you know, that we work together that we share information and that's where you get into the open organisation you know that, that Red Hat have got lots of fantastic stuff around that in their you know that's if you you know open source software um, the, the open organisation the kind of founding principles in which they come from and, and companies at their ilk is it, 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 it's founded around that and we, mm. you know, we that we all we all contribute and we live and die as a team you know, we, we, we're successful as a group we're stronger as a group as a collective not as a bunch of individuals with our own little, you know, Machiavelli, you know, twisting our moustaches coming up with like Machiavellian plots as to how we're going to move our way up the thing. You know, that, that kind of, that kind of unproductive and limiting kind of behaviours and cultures. Yes. So moving, moving organisations into, into that is great. And then there's a level five which is the is kind of life's great. And that, that's really around, say, you know, it's like a higher purpose. It's not about competition mm. sort of, per se. So you have things like the pharmaceutical company that when they're asked who their their uh, their um, competitors are, they don't say Pfizer or Smith Klein and or whatever. Um, they say uh, cancer. It's a higher purpose. They they don't see that they 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 have competition from other companies. They they they're competing on a different plane, if you like. And I, I suspect the guys who who put the iPhone together we're, were very much like that we, we are revolutionising the world we are really changing things so I'm sure like the, the likes of Elon Musk you know his organisations will be there will be good pockets of level 5 and you know again you oscillate between level 4 and 5 because it's it's quite hard to maintain that level 5 mm. focus if you score to me so moving further from 2 to 3 to 4 to 5 is is, is really interesting um, and, um, uh, and really challenging so um Getting this from that I and you know, that individual to the we is really important. And one of the, you know, one of the ways that we can do that is so fundamentally when we're looking at DevOps, we say organizations tend to be delimited, delimited by um, function. So you know your dev, you test, your analysis, your Saying with DevOps is that we need to stop looking vertically and look horizontally and say, How you know, we need a cross functional team that's, that's there from you know, um, concept to reality or ask, mm. asks to get whatever you, you, know, whatever you want, to, want to use there. Um, but I go that I'd then go further and say, Right now, let's look at incentives because often in most organizations, you know, there's all these cross um you know, conflicting objectives and, and, and so on that, that, we're, that we're all sort of trying to deliver as if that's going to get to where we need to be. And, and the objectives really need to be, you live and die as a team. So there's no individual reward in that sense. Mm. It's not about individual reward because that actually drives behaviours. In some people, not in everybody, but in, in, in many, it, it drives those behaviours. And the idea that the, 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 the faulty premise that, that people are doing that with... And, is that they think well if we get everybody to perform at their best then we'll get this high performing team and it will be great Mm -hmm. but if they're all performing at best as individuals and not realising that the real strength is in the collective and it's in about how do we how do we make sure that this works across that horizontal you know how do we ensure we deliver the business outcome in the best way considering the entire system not just my little piece of the system. So, again, I think objectives is something that's really, really important and you have to incentivize, well, I would argue you get a far greater chance of success if you incentivize around um, the, the collective, the group, the, the, the team that's delivering that product, than if you have individual objectives. A friend of mine works for a, 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 a very well-known consultancy, strategic consultancy, um, and that's some of the things that they've been doing. So they they you know, he, he was working out a company, with a company in South Africa, and they changed their their incentive system and their reward pay system across the entire company, and that's huge. I mean, having a company that will that will take that on and will will it so, and, and I'm not saying that that's absolutely essential, mm. but it doesn't offset you up to win, and I think these are some of the again we're getting back to the kind of question about well, why are companies why aren't, why isn't everybody doing this, because. These are really, you know, to to get it working really effectively and to do it really well. There's some really fundamental questions about how you're going to. Yeah, you know, there's some really big changes, and there's always going to be some fallout from that, and there's going to be some pain. But the, if you believe in the reward, if you believe in what you're going to kind of get at the end, and if you do it in a, um, the kind of stepwise you know, approach where you you're, you're kind of. Moving through with what's right at that time. What's my biggest pain point and How do I solve that? Very much in like a kind of evolution, like evolutionary architecture, if you like, for the business. You yeah. know, like how what's our evolutionary business? Our, our, our evolutionary plan for there. That's where, that's where you really, you know, when you when you've got that buy-in, you've got that the, the, the kind of, That's how you get there. It's yes. not big bang. It's not going to be. You know, let's change it tomorrow. But if you start now and you start with the right premise, you start with the right approach. I guarantee you. That in six months, twelve months, eighteen months, two years, etc., you're going to be seeing these big gains, these real wins along the way. Um, but there is going to be a bit of pain first, you know, as there is with anything. You know, if you're going to cha- fundamentally change the way that you do stuff, you know, I don't. I'm not very good on 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 this particular sport, but I remember there was um, <coughs> Tiger Woods um decide you know went off from being the great, you know, the greatest to. Being, you know, mid pack or whatever, because he was changing. He was fundamentally changing the way he his changing his golf swing. Yes. And I thought, well, for somebody to do that when he's at that level, and obviously it's worked for him reasonably well, mm. is huge. I, well, what what you know to what I, to, to do that is a, is enormous. And obviously it's ingrained from twenty thirty or however many years he'd been playing golf for he kind of ingrained that in. So to take that on was, you know, and he obviously had to get worse before he get better. I, I, I might lose my analogy because he maybe he never got back to his best, but, you know, I don't know. But, um, but you know, to, that's the kind, those are the kind of steps and the risks that the kind of, uh, the things that I think companies need to be prepared to look at, prepared to take and to make that into a good decision and do that on a stepwise experimental basis that allows them to say, right, we're at the right place now or, well, that didn't work, but you know what, we learned a lot or, Actually, this isn't for us, mm. and then and then they stop wasting money trying to chase some dream or chase chase some magic bean that they they feel that they're not gonna they're not gonna get. So at least you get to an answer rather than just fluffing around at the edges and not really ever you know ever delivering anything out of it. You just spend a lot of money. Mm. So you know experiment, find out if it doesn't work for you, fine. You can look, you can look, look at something else, but I bet you found out at least what doesn't work and then you can look at more at what does work and ultimately you then really take more of the mindset anyway that experimental continuous improvement mindset and you'll get somewhere positive so with every podcast we finish with the same 10 quick fire questions right, right Okay. On then what <laughs> turns you on professionally <laughs> right. right so um, uh, actually seeing the penny drop I think um, finding the solution and seeing people where they just that moment when they get it, so mm. taking people on the journey and, and seeing that moment when they get it and, and that, that excitement, that rush of going, hang on, we've got the, we, we've got something here, there's, there's something of really value here and, the, and, the, and the, the, the drive that comes to that. What turns you off professionally? Uh, ooh, closed minds, I think. Um, an unwillingness to to engage in anything different. How do you unwind? I run in the mountains. I run in the mountains and I swim in open water. What profession other than your own would you like to try? Ooh. Um, I, was quite, I was always quite fancy being a doctor actually. What activity gives you the most energy? Running in the mountains. Who is your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration. Crikey. I don't, I don't know. know. Okay. Um, Jackie Chan. If you had to present a speech right now, what one word would be its subject? Oh, crap. Um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, um, empathy. You're at your best when you're doing what? Um, when, I'm, when I'm truly engaged in the moment, when I'm actually in the moment. So uh, And that, for me, with my family, is, is very important. Is not being partly there. It's about being absolutely engaged in that, in that moment. So dropping everything else, you know, even the phone away, whatever it is, that all the, the distractions and just be there, focused and, and truly, truly present. If today was the last day of your life, what one lesson would you like to impart? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, good Lord, right. Um, trust. Trust people. I think, um, be willing to be... Exp- um, be willing to be exposed. You find yourself left exposed um, through through you know smart trust of people um, and 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 the, yeah something something around that probably. If I think he- that that leads you to a course of kind of of happy you know productive relationships, which then leads to love and so on and so forth. So I think it kind of blossoms out from that. I think trust is really vital. If heaven exists. What would you like to hear God say as the reason he is letting you through the gates? I don't know. But I've made a difference. Excellent. It's always a great way to finish. Just one thing. Why is Jackie Chan... Your biggest inspiration. <laughs> I spent a lot of time watching a lot of kung fu films when I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, escape, but no, I think I guess he, he's somebody that applies himself all in. I think he's, he, you know, he, he's um, uh, he's willing to put himself on the line to do things, you know, especially for his stunts and and all the rest of it. And um, yeah, no, I just think yeah, uh, it was a bit of a pithy answer to be quite honest. <laughs> 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 it's good. It's good. Well, that's a great way to finish. Uh, Thank you for today. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For the latest episodes, please subscribe. And for future conversations, reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn.